The sponsor for the month is Banner of Truth. If you're looking for a conference that's organized to help you rest, has faithful preachers that you've never heard about, because more than five preachers in North America know how to preach, and will focus on great themes of the Bible, then I would encourage you to consider attending the Banner of Truth East Coast Ministers Conference May 24th through the 26th in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. The conference theme this May will be on communion with God. It's a conference for men in the ministry and for those praying about entering the ministry. Men come to this conference again and again because of the like-minded fellowship, great books that are on sale, and the way it helps them recalibrate their hearts in the ministry. You can learn more at thebanneroftruth.org backslash ministers. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. All right, welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Hey, we're, we're live here in Springfield, Missouri. You guys doing all right tonight? Yeah. Okay, good live audience. This is pretty great. Uh, tonight, it's already uh, we've already talked about it here, but we're going to talk about, for all the listeners and watchers, we're going to talk about statism and manhood. We're going to spend more time talking about manhood and the state of manhood in America, but uh, for the sake of uh, the listening audience and the viewing audience, and I know you guys, this will be a little bit of repeat material, but you know what? Repetition. Somebody mentioned it. I think Brandon mentioned it. What, what did you say? We learn by repetition. We learn by repetition. That's right. So we're going to do this in a two-part uh, process here. We're going to first start about statism and just kind of review some of the things we talked about in the conference. And it's just been such a great, great conference. If you guys haven't checked this out yet, the Christendom Conference, where can we find that, by the way, Joshua? Where can we find that? Okay, where can we find that, guys? Uh, so you can go to YouTube. Uh, you can go to our YouTube channel, which is... Uh, uh, <laughs> this is uh, real, real professional here. Thanks, Brandon. I'm here to help. Uh, HBC Contact um, is the YouTube channel. You can also go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Hope Baptist Springfield. That's probably the easiest place to find it. And then um, our sermon audio page will eventually have the audio up, um, and that'll be uh, probably the best place to get the entire thing uh, with it, no glitches or anything like that. Our website is hopebaptistspringfield.com. Okay, fantastic. All right, so it sounds like you got a group of guys that hang out and sit around a fire, probably smoke some cigars, and talk about theology and life. And it, it sounds like you guys are solving the world's problems. Um, and at some point, the conversation about having a conference about statism comes up. I don't know if this is an elder meeting or where, where it's at, but why did you guys decide to have a conference on statism and Christendom? Anyone? Well, I mean, I think just very simply, just the fact that it's such, you know, we've talked about today, the past several years of it, these issues of the state have been brewing for a long, long time, and they've just been coming to our front step, as you said today, just in the past few years, like they never have before. And so, uh, you know, last year we talked a lot about specifically COVID stuff, because um, it was even closer in that time period, still going on. And so we, I mean, those things are still going on, but we wanted to broaden it out a little bit more to other issues that we're facing, particularly in terms of, you know, uh, non-conspiratorial time here, the Great Reset stuff going on. They're trying to, you know, take our lands and food and that sort of thing. And so we want to address those issues. And so that's what, yeah, that's sort of what it came from. 
You guys have probably seen the World Economic Forum video about the year 2030 and how we'll own every own nothing but be very happy about it. Have you guys heard that? Right? Okay. And this might not be on anymore. Jack, one, two, we on? We're gonna put this right. You here just put that right there. Because that's because it's the, yeah interfering with the mic. For some that's all right. That'll work. Of course it is. Um, of course it is. So. What has been, I mean, I'm sitting up here and I've been a learner. I mean, this is a, I got to preach, but, um, but for me, this has been very informing and I've learned so much from you guys just sitting in today and listening to all these talks. And I'm thinking, man, who are these guys reading? What's been the main sources that's informed this? Clearly the scriptures where we want to be men of God's word. And that's going to inform all that we, you know, obviously all that we read and all that we want to preach on is obviously we're preaching the word, but there's been some other sources. So I'm just curious, what's been some of the most helpful as you've been thinking about statism and a new Christendom, what has been some of the best resources that you found helpful leading up to this point about these particular topics? I have a guys group that gets together on Sunday nights, and I've been doing that for eight years. Do we need this? I don't think no. we need it. We don't need it. I don't need it. So I have a guys group who gets together. Um, we get together at my house. Uh, we used to get together at a restaurant. Now we get together at my house. I've been doing that for eight years on Sunday nights. We meet at 8.30, and... We usually go till two, uh, one or two in the morning. <laughs> I'm in bed at eight o'clock every night, like nine o'clock every night. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I think that you get a little loopy sometimes. Yeah, we do, yeah. Um, but I mean, so Joshua comes almost every week. Ian comes almost every week. Uh, John Augustine comes almost every week. Daniel used to come almost every single week. And then he started one up north on Wednesday nights. Um, and, uh, Which is hard on me. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the middle, so I gotta go. But I, I tell you what. Um, Yes, everybody's reading stuff, you know, like, like I've got a book here, Joshua's a voracious reader, Ian's obviously reading in the space that he's in all the time, um, everybody's reading stuff, but it's the aggregation of content, and the, all of us working together, doing theology and community, hearing what everybody's talking about, and then we just, um, we take those ideas that we're talking about, and we, we just throw them out to each other, and we work through them. Um, really trying to drive down, uh, get down to deep principles and um, uh, what the Bible says. And I tell you, more than anything else, just for me personally, that has uh, uh, changed my life. Absolutely, utterly changed my life. I have a, a godly group of guys. We talk about everything. And um, we, our desire is to just be pervasively biblical, you know, when we get to the end of it. And that's been amazing. Good. So... So for all of you guys that have been a part of that, thanks for coming on up here. Um, has that been equally as helpful for you guys, that group, to be able to work through those ideas and, and concepts and, and theological discussions? Has it been helpful? Yeah, I would say so. I, I, would, I would liken it to uh, our, our ideas to like lambs before the slaughter. We, we're like a bunch of wolves. And somebody throws out their ideas like a little lamb. And if it survives, it's good enough to go, it's good enough to, go to the next level. You right? bring your A game. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Bring your A game. That's right. Okay. In other words, you got to be a man. Okay, <laughs> that's right. That's, see, that's some of the stuff we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you, I have an unspoken rule. Uh, we inv- you can, anybody can come, uh, but I have an unspoken rule. I have three rules. But I have one unspoken one, and you have to have thick skin. Okay. Because, yeah, you will get um, your ideas chewed to pieces. Yeah. Um, and you got to be able to take that. Yeah. What's a guys group without making making fun of each other? That's and, right. And and I mean, it's iron sharpens iron, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think uh, God said that once. Iron yeah. sharpens iron. So does right. one man sharpen another? Okay. Uh, we were talking over there just a little bit ago about the pendulum swing, where there's there's ideas that happen, 
there's consequences that come from those ideas. There's generally fallout or there's movement from those ideas, or sometimes both, where there's rapid movement. Then there's a pendulum swing where people revolt against what they had learned in the last generation, revolted against their parents, revolted against that theological idea from that era, and then pendulum swing to the other side. So I've talked about statism. I've talked about some of the stuff we've talked about here today in our home with our people at our church. And as our church is really united around God's word in all of life, and God's word is authoritative, even for people who stiff arm the Bible. You can't just say, well, and this is kind of an idea that I, by default, adopted, is that God's word is authoritative in the church, certainly in the household, but in the world where, where people don't accept God's word, you really have to meet them where they're at and just kind of convince them that, that God's word is, is cool and right and better and beautiful and all that kind of stuff. Uh, rejecting that and realizing, wait a minute, Jesus is king whether or not people recognize that. And, and they don't get to stiff arm him and his rule. In the same way, God's word is authoritative in every sphere of life. Now, as I've dived into that, dove into that, and as we've tried to get applied theology in all aspects of life, we've received some pushback. And what we were talking about is how do you know that you're not just caught up in this pendulum swing? And even Jordan and I were just talking about this earlier. So, like, uh, on the way up here, how do you know you're not in just a pendulum swing where you had new Calvinism, young restless reform movement, and now here we are. It seems like everyone's post-millennial, theonomic, talking about amen. statism. And yeah, amen, right? Like, everybody's got beards that can grow them. I'm still praying mine out, you know. And uh, You had a good mustache. Well, I had a good stash, that's right. But Jordan is not a big West, you know, mustache fan. Oh, no, so I, I, got this, I got this stash, but uh, I got the upper lip for it. Um, it, grows, it grows on your wife, literally. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just got to keep it going, keep it going. Okay, so how, how do you not avoid, or how do you avoid some of the pitfalls? Because there's going to be steam that happens with this movement, but there's also going to be fallout. How do we make sure we're not a part of the fallout? What do you guys think? It, it's always keeping Christ central, right? We, we see these pendulum swings, and the reason the pendulum swings very often is because we're, we're thinking about what's best for us. And then whenever the pendulum swings real far one direction, YRR, for example, and now we've got you know, we've got A29 going this way, we've got the Kellerites going this way. It's very often it's because of what feels best for us, because our focus is not on Christ. The mm. way to correct that excessive pendulum swing is just to focus on Christ and get back to Him, His Word, and what is true, and that hedges us and it, and it keeps us from going too far this way, too far that way. And uh, it just helps us to squash that, that self-idolatry, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be the cool Calvinist. Everyone wants to have, uh, you know, I've, I've got the blog. I want the blog to go big. Or someone with a podcast wants the podcast to go big, right? But if we leave that aside and we focus on Christ, keep him central, we, we keep from tearing off these, these wild directions as, as that pendulum goes left and right mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah, I think stuff. another big thing, too, is being... Our primary spiritual food and nourishment is grounded in our local church mm-hmm. and our local brothers that we live with. Because it can be, guys can swing and shift with the waves of the sea when they're on an island and they're following guys online or on, that are out there and not in their lives. But when you have guys in your lives who are the primary uh, spiritual accountability for you, that, that keeps from a lot of ditch hopping you know yeah yeah that's good anybody else you guys got any thoughts well i think i think that you have to recognize that right now this 
you know, reformed masculine movement that's happening is actually very attractive to the world. And so there is going to be some amount of hopping on, right? I mean, there's like the MGTOW movement and all these different ideas of people who, who see what's happening and, and they want that, but they don't want Christ, right? right? Yeah. And so if we keep Christ central, uh, hopefully, you know, we can either convert them or they, they will leave. I think scripture is yeah. pretty clear. They will leave. Yes. Um, and so we have to make sure that we're staying on track and that those who come and leave don't distract us from what our, our focus and our goal is. Yeah. 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 Faithful pastors in the local church and discipleship of the home are key to keeping that movement going. Yeah. Because the YIRs were the adolescent awkward teens of theology that came into a right understanding of God's sovereignty and salvation, growing now through the awkward phase into a mature understanding of, well, Christ is king over all, all the earth, yeah. saved by grace, his law is sufficient. Now it's up to the ordained means of the local church through faithful men preaching the word and then heads of households teaching their family and doing the everyday mundane catechism that church has been doing for millennia now. Yeah. And that's what keeps it going and that's what keeps it from just being, quote, the pendulum swing. I think, uh, yeah, that's I, good. I, I think I would just add that uh, eventually, uh, we, we know from history, that there is a time where... where it, it what the, the pendulum analogy breaks down, but I mean, there's a time where we got to we got it right, right? Like, like, uh, like there, there's react reactions are happening all the time, right? Overreactions are happening all the time, but there's proper reactions, and um, uh, and so we don't need to just live in this kind of nebulous fear that yeah. that I'm probably just overreacting, right? Yeah. Because I hate. Things that I think God hates, I'm probably overreacting and pushing. Maybe not, you know. So you're, maybe you're there saying, really is a thing, uh, such a thing as reformation. So let's use ditches. You're yeah. not always in a ditch. Right. You're not. Yeah. It's not inevitable that you're in the left ditch or the right ditch right. or in this pendulum side or that pendulum side. You can, by the grace of God, correct. You know, one of the examples from generation to, to generation, you can see uh, a bad man, and the next generation, God does a work, and then there's a good man. And then these generational sins that have been there, maybe two, three generations back, past, you know, past, now God's done a work, and those are gone. There's a new legacy that started. And in the same way, a church can be more or less healthy, but we're not doomed. It's not inevitable then that we're in the pendulum swing or in the ditches. Like you can, you can course correct and walk in obedience. And, and we and believe not be, we have a God who's spoken. Yeah. And uh, we believe in the perspicuity of Scripture, mm-hmm. and uh, we believe we can know what we are called to do and know what he wants from us. And uh, that takes work and we want to be careful. We want to always stay uh, truly Christ-centered, but we can. Yeah. yeah, redemption and sanctification are real things that can actually happen Absolutely. in our lives. Yeah. And God does that. Amen. Does I, think, I think acknowledgement, a constant understanding that there's a ditch on both sides of the road and there is a road. Mm-hmm. And understanding that Christ is that road, as the center, and a constant you know, acknowledgement, a constant reminder that you could very well be in a ditch, but you could very well not be. Mm-hmm. So being grounded biblically, scripturally, and surrounding yourself by good men that are willing to look you in the eye and say, man, you're, you're in a ditch right now. Right. Or, hey man, you're doing, you know, that's awesome. You know, encouragement is just as powerful of a tool is admonishment so um, acknowledgement you know that that's a key that's a key to it too it's understanding that there is there is a pencil yeah and we see it we can see that happen 
So understanding there is a pendulum mm -hmm. and having the self-awareness of acknowledging where, where am I truly right now? Yeah. Am I reflecting Christ? Am I in Christ? Mm -hmm. what I'm doing? So. That's good. Okay, before we switch gears and talk about manhood, I want to hear the title of each of the sermons here so people can get a taste of that that's listening and watching and so they can go to the website, find the YouTube or whatever. The sermon who came up with the titles, by the way? Did you, was that you guys in cahoots with that? Uh, it was mostly you. I okay. Mean, we, had, we had a list of, of ideas we were working on, but that was mostly, mostly Joshua for sure. Well, I, I showed up several people, like, look, look at the titles of this conference, and they were like, oh, man. And I was, like, <laughs> giggling in excitement, you know, like, man, this is, <laughs> this is yeah. awesome. So why don't you go ahead and, and yeah. say what you did. Say your name and what, what your yeah. well, title I'll, was. I'll, I'll read the – Yeah, just the, read them all for us so we yes. don't have to go around. Just go so, ahead. You're, you're yeah, the official reader. Sure, okay. So the first one Joshua gave was overcoming statism, one confession at a time. Statism as religion and its definitive defeat. And then uh, Brandon spoke on overcoming statism one week at a time, statism and the means of grace. And then, of course, uh, you, Jared, spoke on overcoming statism one blocked shot at a time, medical tyranny and Christian resistance. And then I spoke on overcoming statism one penny at a time, inflation and how to overcome it. And then finally, Ian, uh, overcoming statism one plate at a time, food tyranny and Christian agrarianism. Okay, so if those titles were at all intriguing to you, find them and go watch them. Find them and go listen to them. Fantastic stuff. Okay, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, one of the things that Foster said in his book, It's Good to Be a Man, is he talked about Absalom. It goes back to something we just talked about here just a little bit ago, about how Absalom won the hearts of the men of Israel. And he uses that as an example to say like guys like Jack, Jack Donovan, guys like uh, Joe Rogan, guys like J Jordan Peterson have won the hearts of the men of our country. And in droves, by the tens of thousands, by the tens of millions, people are listening to Stephen Crowder. People are listening to people that, that really are good at peddling outrage. They're really good at, at, at stirring up a dust bowl of anger and frustration and even say some good things. Um, but there's this missing piece. I mean, with Jack, Jack Donovan, for instance, he wrote the uh, whatever the book was a few years ago that, was, that blew up. And he's a homosexual. And yet many men look to him and say, here's a man. Here's how you're to be a man. He can give me counsel and wisdom on how to be a man. This is an Absalom that's won the hearts of men and is not directing them in a way God would have them walk. Even Joe Rogan, you can listen to one episode of Joe Rogan, and there can be some compelling aspects to it where it's interesting conversations that are going on. But it's so vile, you can't get through it. It's like, man, this is, this is what our men are listening to. This is what our, our young men and older men are being catechized by. This is, and you listen to Jordan Peterson. I read 12 Rules for Life a couple years ago. Anybody read 12 Rules for Life? Anybody in here? Anybody? Okay. And there were some pieces of that that were okay, but I got to the end of it, and I was just like, it's still, 12, it's still law. It's still law with no gospel. It's still, uh, you know, uh, this is, uh, it's all right. And um, He's hitting on some cylinders. He's hitting on, yeah, but there's some misfires, right? I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's a foundational issue that's there. Okay, so today, in many of our talks, there was some overlap, like we talked about, but many of our talks went back to men being men, or at least it was stated at some point, the importance of the household. Uh, what, is it, what is a Christian man? What is a healthy Christian man? What are you calling your young men to be? What are you kind of calling your sons to be? In, as we want men to walk humbly before God and men what is a christian man what do you think okay i'll, I'll outsource uh vody bacham uh 
is a good example. But uh, Vodi Bakum in a message once was talking about how when we think of a Christian woman, we just go to Proverbs 31. And, uh, and that's a, it's a good chapter to go to for Christian women. But everybody's like, well, where's the guys list? And uh, one of the things that he said that we ought to point uh, was, was 1 Timothy and Titus and the pastoral qualifications. Because although not every man is called to preach, what, you know, pastors are supposed to be imperfect but exemplary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the ways that we have talked about the difference between um, uh, good godly men and, and pastors is that good godly men have to be striving to, to be good godly men, and, and we need to know that pastors are succeeding in those things um, since they're to be exemplary. And so, man, I want my sons to be, uh, you know, not given over to much wine, to be self-controlled. I want them to be able to teach. I want them to be sober-minded. Um, you know, I'm blanking out a whole bunch of them right now. But, I mean, I, I, yeah, just read through the list. That's what I want my sons to be, yeah. that and wise. And so I've got 30 chapters of Proverbs, and i got two really awesome lists. And uh, um, I think when Paul says in 1 Corinthians to act like men, that's got to be part of what's going on in his head. Yeah, that's good. So it's what not else? me; it's Vody. But yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, that's, thank you, Vody Bakum. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What do you guys think? It's good stuff. So they're they're certainly providers too, right? If we're just going to start bolting on some some qualifications yeah. and definitions, right? They they are providers. So I I spoke on agrarianism. I spoke on farming, taking control of of uh, your your food supply, and much of this really was just downstream from Daniel's talk about you know fighting inflation being independent in that sense but men are also providers right we we are the ones that are willing to sacrifice uh some temporal joys or free time or whatever it might be to get the work done that needs to be done right it's you know the classic take out the garbage right Mm -hmm. it's assigned to men because it's a horrible chore but it has to be done right but the same could be said for uh putting down the family dog Right? That is a way to provide and love for your family because it has to be done. And we are the ones built to carry that weight, to carry that burden, or to put food on the table, whether that's going out and working so that we can pay for food to put on the table, or whether that's literally going out to the field and collecting that food and putting it on the table. We are to be providers, and that provision is brought uh, to existence through sacrifice. And that is, that is what we are called to be. Uh, we were called to be sacrificial providers, much like our Lord. Hmm. That's good. I would uh, I would add to that all really good stuff. Um, so we have this text group we uh, that uh, I kind of run called the Absolute Unit Club, <laughs> and basically it's a motivation club for some guys to work out, stay fit, be men, and couple of the themes that I like to continually go back to when I send out encouraging texts is that of meekness according to what Jesus said in Matthew 5 5 which goes back to my Gary North quote from my message today where do you like Gary North a little bit I really love <laughs> oh. Gary North oh okay okay gotcha I love Gary North uh but basically his quote was you know when Jesus said the meek shall inherit the earth it, that doesn't mean we're wimps before men, but it means we're humble before God. And so meekness is not an absence of strength, 
but it's a proper self-control and a proper use and constraint of strength, which means there's a time to use it. And it's in laying down your life in defense of those that you are responsible for. So it's meekness plus also what I talked about today, taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. So men are those who take responsibility. And so, so many of our men today in our, in our society, which we live, they, men are just pushing this responsibility off to their wives, to the government, to whatever. And so we want men who take responsibility for not just themselves, but their households, their wife, man, work. So your wife doesn't have to go work. Um, Take responsibility for your children. Find a way to educate them without sending to the government. You know, so meekness, proper use of strength, plus taking of responsibility before mm-hmm. God. That's good. So counter the manosphere. So you got the manosphere over here. You have one guy that seems to be in both. That's Foster. Everybody knows Foster, right? Okay. Uh, God has used him in, in a lot of really great ways. Uh, you have some other guys that are in this Christian manosphere now. Okay, so you have Foster, Eric Kahn, Brian Silvey, um, C.R. Wiley is big on that. You know, Man of the House, if you haven't read that. I mean, Productive Property, yeah. it is, it's a book. It's almost like there's like a cult following to Man of the House, kind of like Fight Club. <laughs> it's like Man of the House is like a Fight Club book or something that, that people just get. It is and, a great book. I would totally recommend it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great book. So this Christian side of, of the Manosphere that's speaking to both men and consequently speaking to men, to women, what do you guys think of that? Is that a good thing? Is that is that a net gain? Is that a positive thing? What's going on in that world, or no, or maybe? I, I definitely. I mean, I think it is a good thing. Generally, I think uh, you know. I think maybe Joshua said it just a bit ago that we have to be careful not to get outside of the local confines of our church and our elders. And there's certainly always been a danger in the Christian community and, and even in the Reformed community to uh, make celebrities out of certain people. And, uh, you know, I personally, I won't name any names, but there's been some that I've really enjoyed and then been very disappointed later on. And so I think certainly there is some caution to be had there. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're not doing good work and that God isn't using them. But I, I think I would caution people to be careful not to overly attach themselves to uh, these names, these celebrity-esque type uh, people, and then to be more focused in the local church. And I think these guys really, I think they're doing most of their work in the local church, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm certainly not saying that that's not the case, but I think it's therefore it's on us to, to be careful to make sure that we are still being nourished and, and getting that from our elders and from mm-hmm. within our local church, as opposed to just going outside and finding that those resources there. One of the things I've seen, because I think there are some really positive things happening, um, but so I grew up in a church that loved John Eldridge, loved Wild at Heart. It's a book that came out in 2001, just loved it. And I saw a bunch of men that there were some really positive things the Lord did. But one of the things that's, that was interesting about the, the 90s men's movement into the early 2000s is what it seemed like is the faces of, of those organizations. It's almost like they were trying to muster up a convincing word that they really were men. Like we're talking about masculinity all the time. I am a man. I am a man kind of thing. And uh, yeah, yeah like, I, I, I am, you know, it's that everybody else come and affirm that, you know, that, that I am. A man. And some of the most godly men I know haven't ever said the word masculinity 
in their life. They've never had a roundtable discussion about what does it mean to be a man. And there's something about this quiet work. I think about my father-in-law. Again, plugging my father-in-law here. Uh, we disagree on a lot of things, like a lot of things. They're part of our church. Um, but it's, it's difficult sometimes to have a conversation with a father-in-law, right? But he has loved his family well. He's worked well. He's probably never talked about, done a, a series or taught a series on, on manhood. But he's taken care of his family well. And I've, as a son-in-law, learned so much from him. And he's just done the quiet work of taking take care of his family, working hard. The guy can fix anything, right? I mean, is there anything worse than having a father-in-law going to do everything, you know? Like, like, it's both awesome and it's, you know, this intimidating thing. Like, why do you have to know how to do everything? And, and, uh, and so I've learned so much from him. But the, the only caution I'd have about the Christian manosphere, and even some of the things we're talking about here, is that there's something exciting about talking about the correct, like correcting some of, of the bad things that are going on in, with the gender erosion, like, right? I mean, gender erosion is everywhere. Nobody knows what it means to be a man. Nobody knows what it means to be a woman. And men are suffering. Boys are suffering. Suicide rates are through the roof. Uh, depression rates are through the roof. It's a, it's a really sad thing. But the worst thing we could do is talk about masculinity in the right way, but not live that out in reality. And, uh, one of my fears with mas- you know, masculinity movements within the church is that we get really good with the points of, patri- uh, of patriarchy. I mean, I'm in the patriarchy camp. I've left complementarianism fully in the, comp- uh, in the patriarchy camp. That's where Proud I'm at. That's, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. And, uh, and so, I mean, is there any cautions that you guys see of, of that? It, it seems like in, in life, I mean, it's so much easier to talk about stuff, right, than to actually do it. And I'd rather, man, I'd rather a man just take care of his family, work hard, put his head down, get some calloused hands, love his family, than being able to read It's Good to Be a Man and Tell Me All About It. You know, I, I, just, what, what I, you, I, think, I think you want to say that? I was going to say, what you don't want to do, and, and you've got to be careful, and I've seen some of it kind of formulate on the pendulum swing, swing that we talked about, is you, end up, you can end up with the little rascals he-man woman hater club. Mm-hmm. We have it, yeah. What's you do it called? They're, they're there. Thank you. And <laughs> Men are good, guns. women are bad. Yeah, yeah. shoot yeah. guns and, 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 and secretly, you know. Yeah. I mean, which all is fun. And little rascals, like, all they want to do is be rather women. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wanna, you know. But um, so we got to be careful not to, not to go too far on that to where, you know, we, we, we lose the biblical, God centered, Christ centered principle of masculinity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we can. We can sway on that pendulum with uh, Daniel, Daniel's uh, brought up a great point, and to, to prevent a lot of that is to be involved with a local yeah, body of guys where where there's a well-rounded, robust group of guys that can see, hey man, you know, this is getting a little too much, or this this really isn't masculinity. This isn't biblical masculinity. This is this is just macho man, you know, stuff or whatever, you know, right. the blank. So. Um, Pulling those reins back. I mean, we all want to see God glorified. We all want to see men take responsibility, mm-hmm. right? Like this is, and that's, I think that's in most of our hearts as men and women especially. I mean, women are just dying for responsible men to step yeah. up. Yeah. Um, but we've got to be careful not to go down that road. And we, we, we like, you know, the ditch, the ditch is on the side of the road. And I think some pre- major preventage in that is to be locally meeting with men. Mm-hmm. Like we have our group every Sunday night, and there's times where I just don't want to get it. But then I go. And there's other times where it's like, I need to go talk to my brothers. And, and I have no doubt if, I, if there's something I'm doing in my life, these guys are going to tell me. Mm-hmm. 
like, hey man, you know, we love you, and, and it, you know, you're kind of screwing up here, <laughs> you know, and and so, and that's manhood. That's part of manhood, and and some of us missed that along the way. Mm-hmm. Like some of us didn't have fathers that were doing that, mm-hmm. where we understood that correction was a good thing, and it was it was a loving thing to be corrected, you know, by your father because he loved you. And he wanted yeah. to see right for you. So that's good. That's my take on it. Good. I I would just say. Uh, to, to really get the original question you asked with talking versus doing, um, obviously, yeah, you don't want to be the hypocrite who talks a talk but then goes out and lives hypocritically. But I, I, I definitely think it's, you need, we need both of these because I think one of the failures of previous generations was they were very manly in a lot of ways that we have lost – but they never communicated that to their children. Yeah, that's true. Like a lot of the, the World War II fighters who came back home, they, I mean, they had issues from the war that is so understandable, but they did not disciple their sons to be men. No. And so we need that verbal teaching and discipling along with the modeling. So it's think, definitely both. Yeah, it's I good. think one of, the, one of the dangers is, is where we're always excited to talk about whatever is relevant to talk about and that's probably where the where the danger comes in is is that if it's if it I mean talk is cheap and so um, you know it's like (laughs) this dates this quite a bit but you know um, the the Supreme Court fiasco this past week with I don't know what a woman is because I'm not a biologist you know part of what was so frustrating about that was not um, it was that if you hear insanity, uh, you, you just say, oh, well, they're insane, and you move on. That's how it's kind of supposed to be. And the fact that it created all this outrage and created all this, this conversation, you know, you see an idiot being an idiot, and you, you just steer clear and you go on. And so I think, I think the, the caution with the, the man, manosphere world is so, talking is cool. And so uh, we need to talk for sure, but we just we should try to really be careful what we talk about, you know, and, and, and you know, I can't think of the uh, filter, at least, what we talk about uh, so that it's productive and beneficial and not just talking about whatever there is to, to say. Yeah, we, we live in the midst of, of a content culture, right? It is easy to go out and just consume, consume, consume books, audio, media, video, and you can sound like an expert on anything. Right, and what that does is that protects you from having to actually go out and do and the do thing. thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And what we find with masculinity, right? Of course, it's it does feel absurd to talk about it, right? Because it's what we are. It's what we should be. It should just come naturally. It should be simple. Uh, but but we've lost a bit of that for for many reasons that have been mentioned. But we've we've uh, supplanted true masculinity with content masculinity and just being an expert and distilling and filtering what we hear from the the uh, you know the willinks and the and the rogans and things like that or even in the christian side of things you know we're there's probably guys that are tuning into uh brian save and 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 other guys like that who they're just content consumers mm-hmm. and what they need to realize is that you're not actually an expert. You're not actually being masculine by understanding the definition of masculinity. Right. Yeah. You're masculine by being masculine, right? right? It's, you have to go out and do the thing. And we talk about father-in-laws or fathers who have never had these conversations because they just were what they were. They became men by being men. 
right? They learned how to shoot a gun by needing to shoot a gun, not because they were created it into some hobby, right, where they had to go out and target practice and, and have all the shirts and paraphernalia on them that said to the whole world, I'm a gun guy. I love guns, right? <laughs> Instead, they just, whatever. They had some, two, you know, 100-year-old rifle that just worked, and they used it. And, and, and that goes out to so many different directions. You just you become a man by being a man and just doing things that are required of a man, not by distilling all this content and knowing your definitions and, and talking about all of these things. It's important to get past just that, uh, that, that, that understanding kind of where it exists in the headspace and actually applying it and getting it out, working it out through action, through deed. Good. Probably the way that we merge those two things is like we said, local church. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, local church. Amen. So, did you have oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was actually just going to kind of merge the two things that you guys were just talking about, uh, and and really, what I the way that I saw uh, being a man in my grandfather, uh, my grandfather born in 1920 took a covered wagon to Oklahoma, mm. right? I mean, this is in 1920. He, yeah, wow. he fought in he fought in the World War uh, as not he was a, a airplane mechanic. In Korea, and uh, you know, so he's much older, and and of course I was a kid in the 90s, and he was a man who didn't say much. He really didn't. He had a toothpick in his mouth, you know. And if I ever had Grandpa have a question, that toothpick comes out, <laughs> and he's getting ready to speak, and it's like the whole room got yep. quiet. Yep. Everybody's like, he's going to say something, <laughs> and everybody listened, you know. And, and now we have so many people talking that have nothing to say. And so I, I think that that quiet masculinity, that quiet strength, he always worked with his hands. He always provided just strong, strong man. You know, that's something that I would like to recapture personally. And I think that's something that we're talking about here today, which is not just talking about being a man, but being a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the two have to be wedded. Jesus said a disciple is not above his master. And so, because after he's fully trained, he'll be like his master. And what did Jesus do with those guys? He taught them. And he modeled true masculinity. You have the first Adam who jacked up being what a man was. And Jesus came to show us what true masculinity is. It involves teaching and example. And that's what we got, and that's what we got to do. And you know, part of the challenge with you know, the, the Christian manhood movement or just the manhood movement in general with the secularists like Joe Rogan and all that um, is that you have all this content. But at the heart of it is just law-based as well is that you're just, you suck, do better, get a gun, be sustainable, whatever, and that doesn't help. We have to point people back to Christ in all that we do as well, and say that Jesus is the definition of what true manhood is. And where you suck, he succeeds, Mm -hmm. and he is your redemption. Um, That helps us as we are falling forward in learning how to do this masculinity thing, which... Thank God for grace. Yeah. Amen. All right. Something to be said about kind of a stoic approach that some of our grandparents had. Um, But there also is a deficit that did happen there um, Mm -hmm. to where certain things weren't communicated. Yeah. uh, Leaving some to have to try and figure things out. So it's a dance. It's a a balance, you know, um, of of communicating some, some of those things through action without even saying a word, um, and then taking the time to communicate those things verbally. I mean, God reveals himself to us in various ways, his word being one of them, which is communicable to us. We read it, and we can 
ponder that and, and chew on that. So it's good to have that dialogue and those conversations. But it's horrible to have that dialogue and those conversations and do nothing with it. Yeah. Right. And so right. finding that balance and striking that balance is important. I think that's what we're trying. You know, we're we're trying to figure out more as men is how how can we communicate this well, but just not talk. Like you know, how can we show it? Um, and sometimes, like for me. I would say, and my, my wife and kids could probably agree, sometimes I probably need to practice more of being quiet and doing. Amen. And being quiet, and I don't even know this guy. But, uh, I know you. <laughs> being quiet and doing as opposed to, um, uh, you know, as opposed to talking. So that can happen for me. I can land on that side a little more. So. That's, that's good. Uh, but I want to wrap this thing up here today, pairing statism and what we're talking about manhood with the word responsibility. So that was a word that was thrown around a lot uh, in the sessions. And I just want to put these two together. Uh, as men, why is it important that we are to run toward responsibility and not run away from responsibility? Thoughts? <laughs> Well, I would say because, first of all, we're, we're modeling Christ, right? And he took on the ultimate responsibility. And, you know, we got a glimpse of the, the challenges that he, that he faced, right? Obviously uh, in the temptations, but also just seeing, seeing his prayer to God and uh, saying, if this could pass from me, right? But he knew that it was his responsibility. And he went forward with probably arguably the most difficult thing that would ever happen. And so if we're going to even begin to try and model that, we, we can't shrink away from what God has set before us, right? We have to go forward. We have to do it. Uh, and oftentimes it means laying down our lives, which is difficult. Uh, it, it means uh, just taking, taking responsibility for our actions or for our families, uh, for our businesses, whatever those things are, and not shying away from what God has called us to. Right. And really, the way I look at it, it's all pretty easy compared to standing before uh, God and taking his wrath, you know, and, and uh, that that's really what God has placed before us and what we just have to focus on. And I would I would add, you know, why is it important we take responsibility? Because we are responsible whether we want it or not as men, as heads of our home. We are the ones that will answer, answer God for that. You know, obviously our wives commit sin and they actually commit sin. They're actually guilty. But there is also a sense in which as a head of a home, we take on responsibility. And so go after it because you are responsible whether you go after it or not. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You guys got anything to add? I mean, uh, to not take responsibility is sin. And... Uh, Christians in general are called not to sin, to fight, to fight their sin. And then, yes, particularly to not take responsibility is a particular sin that men struggle with. Yeah. And so both as a Christian and as a Christian man, I would say that is, that is a particular area where you want to see real focus from, from men to fight against. That's good. Ian, final Close thoughts, out, brother? Man. Close it out. Oh, if I start talking, it's going to be about killing pigs. So Okay. <laughs> so here, here's the deal. That's pretty masculine. We'll, we'll wrap this up, and, uh, and we'll head out of here.
I'm thankful for some of the guys for sure in the in this Christian manosphere that we've been talking about. And one of the things that uh, that I've recognized that it's really fun to listen to the "It's Good to Be a Man" episodes. It's really listen. To, it's it's fun to listen to Brian and to Eric and these guys. Uh, to read C.R. Wiley, it's a, it's a good. It, it, it's very consumable. And the only warning that I would have for for guys is to put that consumption into action. So look around you. Is there areas of your life that you're not being responsible? And then take responsibility. Grow in those areas. And ask the Lord to help and ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to the areas that, that you are walking in disobedience. And then, I mean, we, th- this is a great thing about what we're talking about as opposed to this, this secular idea of what manhood is. So we know the gospel of Jesus. I mean, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? So we're not scared to fail. We're not scared to get up and to do what God's called us to do, knowing that we're going to need help from the Lord and that we're going to fall and then we're going to get up again and we're going to do the next thing and we're going to fail and then we're going to get up, do the next thing, and we're going to get better. And uh, the Lord's going to help us. And so if there's any caution or warning, it's don't just consume. Get out there and do what God's called you to do. So, Hey, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Um, and again, plug for this conference. Make sure and check that out. I'll put that in the show notes. And uh, please like, subscribe, and uh, share this. I would really, really appreciate that. Um, I think that's it. Anybody else? Tell everybody about your uh, event that you got. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Shepherd's Crook <laughs> Intensive. Um, some of you have heard about that. It's coming up May 12th. Through the 14th, guys that are here, it's an event for men. All men can come, and it's for fathers and sons as well. It's a two-night, three-day canoe trip in Eminence, Missouri, so right down the road at Jack's Fork River. We go to Circle B Campground, and uh, the registration fee is $175. That covers uh, most of the food. You'll have to bring a little bit of food, one dinner meal you'll have to bring, uh, but that will cover everything else. And uh, we have two days of floating on the river, about 40 miles of floating down the river. And we have four sessions that we're going to be talking about. Uh, uh, Scott Tungay is going to be coming and talking about uh, taking dominion, responsibility. And uh, it's, going to be, it's just going to be a great, great event. So please come to that. If you can, the shepherdscrook.co, links in the show notes. And, uh, and that's it. Guys, thanks so much for watching, listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.